Hello and welcome. This is Pastor Terry, and I'd like to welcome you to my Bible study podcast. This daily podcast is a place where we take the teachings of Scripture seriously, but ourselves, not so much. Join us as we dive into the sacred word for the Bible, and each time we read, we pray, we change the world. Welcome to Pastor Terry's Bible Study Podcast. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast. It is uh, Wednesday, December 21st, 2002. Happy winter solstice, the longest uh, night, shortest day of the year. Uh, yeah, so from here on, starting tomorrow, the days start getting longer again. So, uh, shortest day of the year today. Not much daylight. You get to run those Christmas lights the most today. <laughs> Welcome. We are also, with more importantly, the fourth week of Advent. We're in the fourth week of Advent, um, right here in the middle, on a on a Wednesday, as we're recording this Wednesday morning, and um, yeah, working our way through our devotional, and almost uh, almost completed the Advent devotional. Yeah. Welcome everybody. So glad to have you guys on. Hope you guys are. Uh, Winding down your week by now, maybe, hopefully. Maybe some of you are already on vacation now or about ready to start. Winding down your work week. Most people are getting a short week or a modified work week. Um, and so we, uh, I'll be in the office today. Uh, tomorrow's our big setup day, so we'll do some setup in the morning. I should be out by noon, hopefully, tomorrow. And then our uh, first Christmas Eve service will be on Friday night at 7, and then we have the two on Saturday night. And uh, the big question now is, like, where do we put all the refreshments? Because it's going to be kind of cold. So do we put the refreshments outside or inside? I'm kind of like, just put them outside. If it's too cold, people are going to come in. That's the worst thing. And, but, then, yeah, I'm not, but I'm not the majority opinion on that, by the way. I mean... Most people are like, well, let's just set it up inside. And so I don't know. Trying to predict the weather, you know, it's impossible. So, but anyway, but there will be refreshments. There'll be coffee and hot cocoa and cookies. Place to take pictures with your family. So it'll be fun. Um, and wherever you are, I pray you're uh, have uh, planning uh, your uh, Christmas Eve activities and hopefully. At some point, it's a time of worship. Um, Christmas Eve services are so uh, powerful to me. Just, just a, a moving, moving uh, service with the candlelight and the rest. So, it's not hard to find a candlelight service. So, even if you're not here uh, near Bayside, you can find a candlelight service pretty easily. A lot of churches do them on Christmas Eve. So. All right, you guys ready? Let's do it. It's going to be, uh, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 10 today. The title of this study, the, the, today's lesson is The Celebration of Jesus. Well, I mean, that's got a good sound to it already, right? I mean, it's got a good ring. I mean, it sounds good. And um, yeah, so you know what we do? We read, we pray, we change the world. Let's do it. Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 24. The 70 came back exhilarated 
Master, they, re they said, even the demons obey us in your name. Mm -hmm. They know the name of Jesus. I saw, I saw, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven, he replied. Look, I've given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over the power of the enemy. Nothing will ever be able to harm you. But don't celebrate having spirits under your authority. Celebrate this, that your names are written in heaven. Wow. So they all pumped up. They stoked, man. They come back. They were like, wow, Jesus, like all the stuff you said is true. Like people, like all these spiritual realities uh, obey us. We have power over evil spirits. We have these cool things we can do in your name. They're exhilarated. And Jesus is like, yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah, I told you that. Uh, but th that should, uh, I'm glad you're excited. But that, that what should really get you st stoked, pumped up, is not the uh, cool uh, uh, miracles you're able to perform, but that, that your uh, name is miraculously found in the uh, book of heaven. Hmm. That you're saved. Then and there, Jesus celebrated. Oh, I like that. Watch this, verse 21. Then and there, Jesus celebrated in the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Now, that just makes you want to stop and think about it. What does that look like, Jesus celebrating in the Holy Ghost? <laughs> it says right there, Jesus. I don't know if I've ever noticed that verse before. Then and there, Jesus celebrated in the Holy Spirit. Jesus got his praise on. Right there. He said, man, I'm glad. I'm, ex I'm excited, too. You got, I'm jazzed for you that you've been able to do all these miraculous healings and, and uh, deliverances and uh, casting out demons. Man, that is awesome. But look, let me tell you what should really get you excited. You should be excited that your, your name is written in heaven and that Jesus got his Holy Ghost jig on. Yeah. That's what it says. Then and there, Jesus celebrated in the Holy Spirit. He probably raised his hand. He praised praising God. Hmm. And then, so then he starts to pray. I thank you, Father, he said, Lord of heaven and earth. You hid these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to babies. The disciples are like, wait, I think he's talking about us. <laughs> wait. You know, they'd be, they'd, be, they'd be clapping and praising. It's like, Jesus, Jesus is like, yeah, thank you, Lord. You revealed this to you, you, you. Uh, the wise and the intelligent missed it, and you revealed it to babies. And the disciples would be like, "Wait, uh, uh, I, I think thanks. I guess thanks." <laughs> uh, yes, Father, that was what you you graciously decided. Everything has been given me by my Father. Nobody knows who the Son is except the Father, and nobody knows who the Father is except the Son and everyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal him. Hmm. Jesus then turned to the disciples privately. Man, I love that, right? I, that, just, that thought is just um, that Jesus celebrated in the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Uh, the title of this study today is The Celebration of Jesus, and when you hear that, you think that, we, that Jesus is the object of our celebration. But the study really is about uh, Jesus is the worshiper, is the, cele is, is the celebrator, <laughs> the celebrator. He's the one doing the celebrate, the celebration of Jesus. Jesus is doing the celebrating. And he's celebrating in the Holy Spirit. 
He's praising. He's worshiping. He's uh, just reveling in the goodness of God. Verse 23, Jesus then turned to the disciples privately. A blessing on the eyes, he says, which see what you see. Let me tell you, many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, and they didn't see it, and to hear what you hear, and they didn't hear it. What a blessing it is to our eyes to see what we've been able to see. What a blessing it is to live where we live on the other side of the resurrection. I mean, prophets that lived long before Jesus longed uh, to have such an experience. Do you see what I see? Do you hear what I hear? Hmm. A lot of prophets wish they could have. A lot of people from, from the ancient of days, uh, times past, wish they could have seen what we saw. And see what we see now. I mean, you think about the church and the presence of Jesus' people all around, literally all around the world. Um, I think sometimes we forget how miraculous that would be to first century even um, followers of Jesus. Or you think about the people we talked about in the birth story, like the shepherds. Like what if the shepherds could see into the future and they could see that this baby that they went to see the sign that was, you know, in the feeding trough, which we read about yesterday, that one day there would be billions of people worshiping him, worshiping him, like no one else even knew. When the shepherds found out, they were outside of Mary and Joseph, they were pretty much the only ones that in the whole world that even knew. If they could only peek into the windows of time and to see down the road that there would come a day when billions of people would on planet Earth would be worshiping this child. That's amazing. They had no idea. I mean, of course they knew because of the supernatural revelation that this was amazing, but they, they couldn't conceptualize uh, because, first of all, they, there weren't that many people on planet Earth back then, so to, to think about that many people was uh, beyond their scope. But to truly, to see that, to visualize that, to, to ponder that would have been incredible. And we, we, we get the benefit of seeing that, that God's church is all over the world. People, worshipers of Jesus are everywhere, literally. And, um, you know, for us to look through on down um, through the corridors of time to, into the future, we'd probably, we would be dumbfounded as well. We'd probably be like in awe as well to see how God continues to move and the miraculous thing that God does into the future. Yeah. A blessing on the eyes which see what you see. Man, sometimes we sometimes I think that's a good reminder for us, man, because sometimes we bemoan, well, I wish I could have seen this. I wish I could have seen that. I wish I would have been there when Jesus was walking the earth. Really? In some ways we got it better. Seriously. Yeah, you don't see him perform a miracle, but look, you see his church everywhere. Yeah, but I wish I could have been there. If I would have been there, I probably would have really believed in Jesus a whole lot more. I would have. I would have really loved Jesus a lot. And I would even go to, to church a lot. And I would and I would read the Bible and I would and then I would go to Christmas Eve service if I could have seen Jesus on uh in walking in the sand. No, you wouldn't have. Stop lying. You can see Jesus everywhere. You can see you can actually see more of it now. 
But that's how people be. That's how people be. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, maybe if I would live back then, maybe if I live back then, I would believe Jesus. No, you wouldn't. You've been in the back of the crowd mocking him. That's what I would have been doing. Stop Stop your line. Stop your line right now. Because you can, in some ways, we we have more of a benefit. We have that we live on the other side of the resurrection. So we get to see all the impact of his his resurrection. We get the uh, the testimony of the disciples and all those who saw him raised from the dead. We got the uh, the 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 witness of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Man, sometimes we just got to you know sometimes we got to realize how blessed we are to see what we see. Come on, we need to realize how blessed we are to be able to see the things we see. Hundred percent. The early church couldn't have imagined churches being on every corner. What? Would they get, what? You're going to have more than one church in every corner? Really? Seriously? Huh? That, that's, that's miraculous. That's supernatural. You're going to be able to decide like when you want to go to Because there's going to be so many churches that offer so many services. You're going to get to decide when you're going to go to worship? Yeah. Yeah. That's how, that's how, uh, that's how present uh, the people of God are. That's how present. Uh, and influential, the uh, gospel people will become. Wow, that's crazy. That's supernatural. Blessed is the eyes that can see that. Yeah, that's us, man. That's us. <laughs> you like that little mopey voice? Well, if I could only see Jesus in, the, if I could only see His feet, if I could see His little feet, I'd worship them feet. I would. I could see him look, if I could see Jesus' feet in them sandals, I would, I would, I would, I would bow and worship. Man, you stop it. You would not. You're lying to yourself. I would. I but I don't get to. I don't get to see his feet. Well, one day you're gonna get them to be kneel at his feet. Right now you get to worship in spirit and truth. <laughs> Let's see what N.T. Wright had to say. I'm just being just being a rascal. That's all. That's all, people. That's it. I'm going to find myself on a naughty list. That's what's going to happen. All right, let's read this, uh, what N.T. Wright has to say about this. What was it like being Jesus? Hmm. That's a question we don't ask very often. What was it like being Jesus? We often think, what was it like being around Jesus? But, like, what was it like being Jesus? That's one of the hardest questions for anyone reading the Gospels, but, but this passage gives us some clues. It's all too easy for Christians to make the mistake of thinking that he just sailed through life with ease, being divine. We sometimes suppose meant that he never faced problems, never had to wrestle with difficulties. Of course, the Gospels themselves give us a very different picture, yet we can easily be fooled into thinking Jesus is a kind of Superman. Superman. That sort of understanding might seem, to begin with, to be supported by this passage. Jesus speaks of seeing, this, seeing Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He gives the 70 power over all evil. He celebrates his unique relationship with the Father. He speaks of, of, of a fulfillment which the great ones of old had longed to see. Surely, we think, this is Jesus, the superhero, striding through the world, winning the victories at every turn, able to do anything at all. And surely we often think 
this Jesus is remarkably irre- irre- irrelevant to our own lives, where we face problems and puzzles and severe tests of faith, where despite our prayers and struggles, things often go plain wrong. We can think that. Luke has no intention of describing Jesus as a superman. The rest of his gospel makes that quite clear, and this passage fits in much better with his overall portrait than with the one we project back from our shallow modern culture. What we find here, in fact, is the unveiling of the true nature of the battle Jesus was facing and fighting. He has now determined to go to Jerusalem, and a new note of urgency comes in as he sends the 70 ahead of him. The depth of his urgency appears in the discussion with the 70 of their role and their mission. Jesus began his public career with a private battle against the real enemy. This battle will continue until his late great, until his last great showdown as the powers of darkness gather for their final assault. Mm. That's true, man. You think about Jesus, like he, you know, he fought the devil from the beginning, right? The wilderness. You might say he fought the devil from the very, very beginning because, uh, you know, um, as we will, as we talk about a lot of time this time of year in the story of Herod, uh, Jesus' infant body had barely arrived, you know, months, maybe years, but certainly less than years, a few years. And Herod is out uh, seeking to murder all the young children to to annihilate, hopefully to uh, eradicate the world of Jesus. So he has all the young boys murdered. So this was this was uh, the enemy at work from the very beginning, trying to destroy Jesus, trying to get rid of Jesus. Jesus fought Satan from the beginning in the wilderness, the temptations um, throughout his ministry. Um. The Garden of Gethsemane, on the cross, he fought him all the way through. But as uh, First John three nine tells us, he came to destroy the works of the devil. That's what Jesus came to do, man. Merry Christmas. That's what I'm saying. Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. That's what he came to do. And the chief enemy of humanity is the devil, Satan. And Jesus came to destroy him, and he did. Um, that's what, that was the work he came to do. Uh, let me get that reference right. Jesus. And if you know it, let me know. What that destroy the works of the end. I think I got the reference wrong. It's First John. Yeah, it's in chapter 3. First John 3. Um. Uh, John, God's in his words. Anyway, first John 3 8. Yeah, that's what he came to do. Um, let's continue on. He has now determined to go to Jerusalem and a new note of earth. I got rare, rare that. We remind, we must remind ourselves who or what the, the Satan is in Jewish thinking. The word Satan literally means accuser. And thus Satan appears in Scripture as the director of public prosecutions in God's heavenly council. At some point, he seems to have overstepped the role, not only bringing unfounded accusations, but inciting people to do things for which he can then accuse them. 
So that's what the that's what the enemy does. He gets you to he gets he tries to trick people to do stuff and then accuses them for doing it. That sounds right. That sounds like the works of the enemy. Uh, finally, in flagrant rebellion against God and His plans of salvation for the world, the Satan seeks to pervert, distort, and overthrow evil, the chosen bearers of God's promise, and to turn aside from His task from His task, Israel's true Messiah, the bringer of fulfillment. He has gained enormous power because the world in general and Israel's leaders too have been tricked by his cunning. The accuser has an audience. He's got some um, some uh, willing participants uh, in his, uh, his in his attempts to uh, distort and thwart and distract the plan of God. Jesus' task is therefore not to simply teach the people a new way of life, not simply to offer a new depth of spirituality, not simply to enable them to go to heaven after death. Jesus' ta task is to defeat Satan, to break his power, to win the decisive victory, which will open the way to God's new creation in which evil and even death itself will be banished. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's the kind of Christmas I'm talking about. It's like diehard Christmas. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Jesus coming, going to take care of business. That's what he came in to do. Hmm came to destroy death. So what Jesus so what did so what did Jesus see and what did it mean? I saw the Satan fall like lightning from heaven, he said, and as the 70 were going about their urgent mission, Jesus in prayer had seen a vision, echoing the prophetic visions of the downfall of the ancient enemy found in Isaiah and Ezekiel. Jesus had seen in mystical sight the heavenly reality which corresponds to the earthly victories won by the 70. He knew and could assure the 70 that their work was indeed part of the great victory begun in the desert and to be completed on the cross. Wow. Yeah. So that the miracles that they were able to do, the signs and wonders they were able to perform were part of a larger war, a larger uh, victory that was coming. It was the, the victory over the accuser, the one who accuses the saints, the one who uh, brings death and destruction, who tricks and trips up the people of God, and then accuses them for their wrongdoing. Yeah, he going down. That's what he came to destroy. Jesus came to destroy his works. He knew and could assure the 70 that their work was indeed part of a larger great victory begun in the desert and complete on the cross. They must not imagine, though, that they can now sit back and enjoy their powers, their new powers. What matters is that God's purpose is going forward, that they are already enrolled in it. There is shortly coming a time, after all, when even the twelve, even Peter, will be sifted like wheat by Satan before the final victory can be accomplished. He's going to get tripped up too. The enemy going to try to trip him up, going to try to get him going sideways too. But victory, nonetheless, is still coming. In the same moment of vision and delight, Jesus celebrates what he realizes as God's strange purpose. If you need to have, if you needed to have privilege, learning, and intelligence in order to enter the kingdom of God, it would simply be another elite organization run for the benefit of the top people. At every stage of the gospel, at every stage, the gospel overturns this idea. Jesus sees that the intimate knowledge which he and the Father, which he has of the Father, is not shared by Israel's rulers, leaders, and self-appointed teachers, but he can and does share it with his followers. So the leaders of Israel, they're, they're, they've missed it. They're not in on what God is up to, but Jesus has the ability to reveal it to his followers. The diverse and motley group he has chosen as his associates, us, 
We're that, man. We're that, that diverse and motley group. Those, uh, <laughs> we, we, God has revealed it to babies. That's us. Oh, thanks. <laughs> He's right, though, man. We didn't know. If God had not revealed it to us, if God not shown it to us, we, we would have missed Jesus, man. We would have missed it, too. Thanks be to God that he loves us enough that for what, but grace, man, it's grace. It's grace that we would be so uh, fortunate uh, to find him, um, to be awakened to who he is. That's a blessing, man. Um, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. As Jesus goes on his way to fight the final battle in Jerusalem, he knows that this strange purpose is already being accomplished. At its heart is the creation of a new people, a people who recognize Jesus as God's true son, the Messiah, and a people who, through the work of Jesus, are coming to know God for themselves as Father. A people, in other words, who fulfill Israel's destiny, a people who see and hear what prophets and kings long to see and hear but did not. Mm. What a blessing. What a, uh, what a great reminder and blessing of Christmas that we, uh, we can bring that, that awareness into our celebrations of the birth of Jesus that, man, uh, prophets and kings have long ago longed to see this, but they didn't see it. Here's some uh, questions that uh, N.T. Wright offers for reflection. What does Jesus' prayer of celebration tell us about his relationship with the Father? And what encouragement do you draw from this as one of his present-day disciples? What, do you, what kind of encouragement do you draw from this? I just love the fact that Jesus got down and worshiped, man. I love that. I love that Jesus, you know, worshiped in the Holy Spirit. Just praised God, you know. Just, uh, and he saw vision, you know. He saw, you know, that, that uh, Satan fall like lightning, just dropped him. You know, Jesus just, you know, Jesus dropped him. His work on the cross uh, dropped the enemy, killed him, um, pulled the teeth and the, uh, the, the fangs of the accuser and, uh, and purchased for us eternal life, that we can live in this life with victory and we have the promise of an eternal home with God as our Father as our Father. God as our Father. Wow. That we can live this life with, with God as our Father in a relationship with God because of what Jesus did. Man, that's a beautiful, amazing thing. That, that's, uh, that's what Christmas is all about right there. All right, you guys. Well, let's, uh, let's pray. Thanks so much for being on today. Lord, thank you for uh, your word today. Thank you for the... Uh, the supernatural abilities and powers you give to your church, the ability to, to heal and to deliver and to set free. And we are so grateful for those miraculous powers that you have unleashed into your church through your body. But more than that, we're thankful that our names are written in heaven, uh, that God, you are our Father because of what Jesus has done. Lord, as we walk through these remaining days of Advent, we pray that we continue to walk slowly and just relish the moment and the reality that we are your children. That we would walk with gratitude, that we are able to see things that 
uh, the ancients longed to see but did not. That we are afforded a tremendous privilege to see and to uh, witness all that you have done throughout the ages and continue to do in our lifetime. Wow. That you would love us so much, that you would be so kind to give us that opportunity. You are truly good. <laughs> God, I pray for my friends today. I pray you bless them and encourage them. May you uh, fill their souls with the delight of Advent. Um, thank you for all that you do. Thank you for them. Thank you for my friends and the encouragement that they are to me. Thank you for the love uh, that, uh, that we share and the fellowship that we share in you. It is good and, is it a, and it's a gift, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you today, friends. Hope you have a great day. Hope you have a... Uh, Help you, help you wrap up your work week and get some rest. Start to focus in on your celebrations and, and, uh, and your time with friends, family, whatever you're planning to do this year. And uh, keep in your mind, man, the celebration of Jesus. Like how Jesus celebrated, man. He uh, celebrated in the Holy Spirit, man. May you do that today. Have a great day. Love you. We'll see you next time. God bless. Thank you for joining me on today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If this episode has been an encouragement to you, take a minute to subscribe or comment or share it with your friends. You can find me, Pastor Terry, and Bayside Church on all social media platforms. You can find Bayside at Bayside Church SH. Until next time, remember, God's word is true. Everything else is merely commentary. God bless you. We'll see you next time.